Welcome to T3, Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. Your host is Jose Negron. We take the guesswork out of technological jargon so that you know what's next, why it's great or not so great, and how you can benefit from it by learning about it early. Now, here is Jose Negron. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Earth Show at Voice of America. This is your host, Jose Negron, on the Variety Channel, hosting the Lead Technology Show, T3, today, tomorrow's technology, every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Central Time. I would like uh, to just thank my audience out there. I just uh, got word uh, just this week that uh, our U.S. and international audience has doubled. Uh, We've gone from seven countries internationally to 14, so that's a big push forward, and I appreciate that and like to thank all our listeners. As a reminder to our audience, and I think what makes this show very interesting is that we bring together the uh, technologists. We talk about technology and innovation and the surprises it has. But more specifically, we talk at a very layman's term uh, to the non-techie folks. And I think this has been a big success. So you can exchange ideas and have uh, that common theme and the usability of technology and why technology innovation is so important in our life. To keep our audience involved in our T3 show, please call 866-472-5788 or email me at todaytomorrowstechnologies at gmail.com. Today's program is Collision of Robot Wars, Star Wars, and Indiana Jones, a chat in history. What makes T3 show interesting is that our audience is always current in topics, and we discuss uh, our guests are very interesting, and more importantly, uh, we will uh, talk to a very special guest today on the collision of Robot Wars, Star Wars, and Indiana Jones. Uh, His name is Mark Thorpe, but before we talk to Mark, I want to make sure that you understand his background, because Mark has been the creator, the producer, and the establisher of Robotic Combat, an entertainment show, and has been involved in many iconic films and special effects for in the early 90s. Mark Thorpe was born in San Francisco, went to UC Davis, received a master's degree in fine arts. He received a fellowship from the National Endowment of Arts, where he spent a year training two female dolphins to swim sustained synchronous swimming patterns, known as Betty and Eva. Most importantly, the project produced a short HBO and Nickelodeon documentary. In 79, Mark joined Industrial Light and Magic up to the 90s, a subsidiary of Lucasfilm, and then worked at Lucasfilm until 94, where he where he was the chief model maker and animatronic designer, creating special effects for feature films, including the Star Wars films Empire Strike Back and Return of the Jedi, plus the Indiana Jones trilogy, plus many more. This was the beginning of Mark. Uh, He is the founder and creator of Robot Wars from 1994 to 97. This was the beginning of a new mechanical art sports, which involved radio-controlled robots designed and built to compete in live gladiator-style events involving radio control. Marx describes Robot War as a blend of long-standing interest in public art, performance, sculpture, and technology. Mark has held many senior positions uh, with the motion control before his retirement in 2013. 
As I said, today's topic is uh, about the collision of robot wars, Star Wars, and Indiana Jones, a chat in history. We'll, ha- we'll break out in three segments. The first segment, we'll talk about Mark's early life. The second segment, we'll talk about the technology, uh, both in the special effects and robot wars. And in the third segment, we'll, we'll go ahead and talk about the future of special effects and robots. Mark, welcome to T3. Uh, I cannot be more surprised as I read your resume, your background, and all the materials on various special effects and films, and, and of course, the creation and production of Robot War. Uh, can you tell me a little bit uh, how you got started in this business? Well, it was a strange story. Uh, I actually created a, a, a radio-controlled tank to, and mounted a battery-powered vacuum on it for the for a concept which was a radio-controlled vacuum cleaner. The idea was to make vacuuming fun. And it turns out that that was not very effective. So I abandoned the, the concept and thought, but I was left with the tank. So I thought, what can I do with this with this tank? I, I spent a lot of time making it. And I thought, well, what if, what if I put some, some, some power tools on it? There's a lot, a lot of cordless power tools that had just come out on the market. And so I thought, well, as soon as I did that, as soon as I had that concept, the next concept I had was, well, why don't I stage an event and invite other people to do the same thing? Mm-hmm. So that's how, it came, that's how the idea came about. Right. Well, I feel like our lives uh, have a, bi- a parallel path, or especially our lifestyle. I spent most of my my early years in, in government, years years in the commercial world. Uh, but let's back up a little bit. Let's talk about your first job, uh, the synchronized swimming, uh, the training of the two dolphins. Well, that was the National Endowment for the Arts grant, which funded my project at Marineland of Florida, where they, they, they gave me the use of two young female dolphins and I trained them to do this for, for performance which is synchronized swimming Long, they, they didn't do tricks which is what, what, what mostly you see in oceanariums they were long sustained behaviors with, with originally composed music for the, for the film that was ultimately made oh okay you're and, training for a film I was wondering how the fine arts degree and training dolphins got, went together. That no, one thing had nothing to do with the other, other than the fact that I had some success, at least some 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 recognition of some performances I did. One in particular involved dogs, and I was okay. looking for for when I graduated from UC Davis, I was looking for for a, a, a format. That would allow me to do that kind of performance, and the galleries, although they were they were sympathetic and appreciative of performance art, they had no facilities to accommodate it. Right. They were they were set up to show paintings and sculpture and installations, but not okay. not anything theatrical. And the theater, theatrical community didn't understand performance art, so it what? turns out that oceanariums have a theater, and they have these the smartest animals in the world. Right. And that turned out to be a, a perfect venue for me. 
Well, that was a blessing there because from there in 1979, you were hired by Industrial Light and Magic, a subsidiary of Lucasfilm. So tell me how you transitioned from there to Lucas, uh, the light magic industry. Well, the, the, the job at Industrial Light and Magic was a result of the sculpture I had done at UC Davis. Mm. It turned out that, that there was one sequence in Empire Strikes Back, Cloud City, which involved some buildings that looked a little bit like my sculpture. So, Lauren oh. Peterson, who was the the, the uh, head of the model shop, no, noticed that that fact in my my slides I sent him. And so okay. he he interviewed me and ultimately hired me to do this one sequence. It turns out that I, when I first started working there, I put I was involved in installing about three thousand fiber optics into the Star Destroyer. Mm-hmm. Didn't get around to Cloud City for a number of months, but eventually I did. I'm very happy with it. It was one of the few projects I did that didn't involve the art department very much. They've kind of left me on my own. So it was it was like they just let me let me be, be do what I do mm-hmm. sculpturally, and it worked out for the film. So, uh, from a sculpture perspective, in those years uh, with uh, 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 Industrial Light Magic, uh, you you were involved in several several films. I mean, when you look at your career, you got the uh, the two Star Wars films, you got the trilogy, uh, Indiana Jones trilogy, you got uh, you know um, other major iconic films. So, as you progressed through uh, your position, I guess uh, all the way up to designer and and animation. Uh, how, how did you, uh, or what are some of the special effects that you created with you, or by, by yourself or with your team? Well, there was the, one of the big ones was the last Indiana Jones movie, which is the Last Crusade. Uh, with Donovan, his character's name is Donovan. He drinks from the wrong Grail. Hmm. And he, he, he ages in about six seconds from, you know, dramatically. And that was a robotic torso and radio-controlled facial features. It was quite complex and sophisticated at the time. Right, and you've got other them. films. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at Inner Space, Batteries Not Included, Explorers, uh, Pol- uh, Poltergeist, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Dragon Slayer. So you've you've uh, been involved in many of the special effects uh, scenes. Uh, that these are iconic films that a lot of people should remember yeah. as they look back at their past. As you continue to grow and and develop your uh, your really your job description there, and and and, be- and became a, the lead designer there, uh, you start thinking about robot wars. Uh, what made you think about robot wars other than our first little uh, vacuum in the tank situation? Well, it was really, really just the uh, the idea of a destructive toy. I was at the time I was working at Lucas Toys, which was a new a new a new department a division of Lucasfilm. That was a partnership between Lucasfilm and Mattel Toys. And so I was, it was, it was thinking in the toy mode at that point. I was, I was no longer a model maker. I was working for, for the parent company, Lucasfilm. Right. 
And uh, so that was I was I was thinking about toys and 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 making the the tank with the with battery powered vacuum cleaner on it and, and moving into finding a way to put power tools on it, battery powered saws and drills and that sort of thing. Now we're talking uh, early ni- we're talking early ninety four. So the, the the vacuum idea didn't work. Of course, now today we have many thousands of rumbas out there, uh, which yeah. it wasn't a bad idea. Uh, we needed to follow through on that one. Uh, with uh, uh, I think iRobots created uh, some of that. Uh, but uh, as you looked at your tank and you started, my interest is more than anything else as a fine art graduate. Uh, and then, of course, your special effects. What attracted you to the mechanical robotic uh, uh, development, I guess, or interests? Well, I had been working on a number of things, including the Indiana Jones scene, Donovan's Destruction, uh, and, uh, and other robots for Japanese television. Uh, there were a number of robots that I worked on that got me interested in that. But they weren't really the reason why I came up with Robot Wars. It was really an entrepreneurial thing. I was looking for something to do that would give me some independence and creative opportunity. Right, and as you uh, continued your development, uh, I mean, you did everything. Uh, Did you have a team that surrounded you, or were you doing this basically by yourself? Doing it basically by myself. It took me, I actually came up with the idea in 1992, and it wasn't until 1994 that I would actually put on the first event. So what, I, and I know I know you struggle with uh, putting on that first event, and I know the money uh, issue comes up. I, I, we experienced the same thing uh, uh, during uh, my experience with Bots IQ and, and also other programs that I've done. The financial end becomes a, a major hurdle that you have to overcome, and I know that was uh, that was uh, knowing about you, plus doing everything by yourself. Uh, did you ever think? Uh, think about expanding your team and, and trusting other people to help you uh, create this. Well, again, again, it's financial limitations. Right. I didn't have the, I didn't have the money to to involve other people. There so were people who, who donated their time and energy once it once it became a real event. Right. But the concept but, you were but trying up until to until that point, say- I was filing for a trademark. Right. Uh, trying to find out who's going to rent me. Bleachers, right? Uh, coming up with with animated examples of, the, of what the show would look like. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just it's just endless. Right, right. And I know a big break you took was uh, packing up a couple examples and and some of your paperwork and sending it on to uh, Wire magazine. And Jeff Raskin, uh, the writer, uh, did an article yeah. for you. And of course, you you uh, I, I read uh, you had a uh, radio control tank uh, that you keep talking about, and you added a, a chainsaw to it. And Bill, uh, yeah, that was that was sort of funny. I they, they I sent uh, in desperation. I sent all this material I'd been I'd been creating to Wired mm-hmm. magazine, and to my surprise, they got, I got a call from the editor. She said, "We'd like to do a story on you, and and we're going to send over a photographer." The photographer called me up and said, "You know, I'm going to come over and take take a photograph of you and your robot." And I said, "Well, I, what I have is 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 it's not really 
functional. He said, "That's okay. We'll make it look. We'll make, we'll make it look good." And I, right, what right. I had done was I'd gone to the hardware store and bought a chainsaw and put, just set it on top of the tank. It was not connected or anything. So it really was just cosmetic, totally. And he took a great photograph of it. He was he took a he had a like a large format camera and he he he, he clicked the he clicked the shutter and, and shook the camera. And oh, I, okay. I thought to myself, what is he doing? And and he was creating motion blur. It okay. looked great. Oh well, that's fantastic. So, uh, what what made you come up with the description? Uh, you know, the gladiator style event. You were thinking about it in 1992. You had your first robot competition in '94. So, two years you're doing. Uh, you know, you're thinking about the uh, the arena, the competition, the rule set, the advertising. Uh, you were, uh, yeah. you know, producer, creator, writer. You were all in one. Yes. So it was, it, was a, it was a lot of work. I worked to do these events. I worked seven days a week, probably sixteen hours a day. And before okay. the that, that was after I was exhausted from before they started the event. I mean, just to, just between nineteen ninety two and nineteen ninety four. So how did you attract your? Uh, how did you attract the competitors? Uh, I mean, what? Uh, well, what I, I, I advertised in two places: Radio Control RC Magazine, and and a local art publication called Art Week, which was mostly for California. And I, I, I managed to attract sixteen competitors, and that was enough to do the first show. And the sizes of the competitors, did you have different divisions or sizes? I had, I had, weight I had classes? Four, four divisions, lightweight, middleweight, heavyweight, and I, and I, I can't remember the, the, the fourth one. Okay. It's been a long time. Long, long time. And the arena, let's talk about the arena. How, how, how did you set up the arena for our The, the arena I considered an extension of my artwork. Like okay. it, it had it had flippers at four mm-hmm. different positions. You might consider it like ten o'clock, two o'clock, right? Eight o'clock, four o'clock, in position on the in the arena, and they would they would they would move back and forth and whack the 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 uh, the robots that would get in their way. And I had a bowling ball, which was a big pendulum that was would 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 kind of was very graceful. And was was a beautiful contrast to the to the frenetic action in the in the arena, and I had these two mouse traps which would be at essentially nine o'clock and three o'clock, and they would they would lurch out and 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 and, and snap down and, and and catch the the competitors that would get entangled in them if they were in if they were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Okay, so let's hold that, and uh, we're going to go back to our first commercial break here, and uh, I'll. I'll Uh, We'll be back in just a few minutes.
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Divorce or domestic family issues can take their toll not only on the adults who are party to it, but also to their children. Sometimes separation or divorce are far better solutions than staying around a toxic relationship. Now there's a show that listens and provides solutions. Listen for Reclaiming Your Life with host Don Christensen. In this program, we discuss family crisis issues which can happen to anyone. Divorce with dignity is possible, and working together can achieve wonderful results. Listen Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. What's your coffee story? The one that defines who you truly are in a relaxing setting. It's where you share your memories, plan for the future, and talk about the now. My favorite coffee story is here with host Aniko Samoji. We invite you to listen in and share your coffee stories too. Bring your friends or just stop by as we talk about coffee and the inspiring stories that touch our lives every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to today, tomorrow's technologies at gmail.com. Now, back to our show. Welcome back, folks. Let's continue our T3 program. We're looking back in history at special effects and, and some of the most iconic movies, uh, Star Wars and Indiana Jones and many others. Uh, we're talking to uh, Mark Thorpe. Uh, we're discussing uh, how this evolved. Uh, the topic today is the collision of robot wars, Star Wars, and Indiana Jones, a chat in history. Uh, Mark, of course, is a fine arts major. Uh, he's had a very interesting uh, uh, career development, and I find it quite interesting from uh, fine arts to more engineering complex system for robotics and computers, and then uh, being the creator and, and founder of Robot Wars, and we we're just talking about that. So, Mark, let's just go back a little bit in history. Talk about special effects in the, your other movies. We mentioned about four or five, and remember, keep the the mic uh, away from your breathing. Okay, you tell me if I'm if it gets too close. Okay, you're you're fine. So let's talk about special effects, and uh, let's keep uh, uh, talking about some of the key critical moments of the special effects. Because I believe that the the inspiration for Robot Wars, the, what you did in your advertising, uh, the the concept of the gladiator uh, combative uh, fight, the mechanical, uh, were were instrumental. 
that idea really came from some of the uh, act, uh, actions or activities or work that you had done in the past, and especially as you talk about Indiana Jones, Star Wars, you know, these various other films that we've talked about, you know, I'm looking at the uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, Dragon Slayers, all that had to influence how you produce uh, your robot wars. Well, I would really say that the, the, the biggest influence was confidence. Okay. I've done so many things things that I, that I hadn't imagined I really could, could do and uh, did them fairly well that, that the, the confidence left my imagination free to, to explore the possibilities. I think that's, that was more than anything else the reason why I was able to come up with the idea. Yeah, and you tapped in a very special group of folks. I mean, uh, you not only coming up the idea, producing that first uh, show in '94, uh, that uh, you know, you said you had 16 competitors uh, sign up for the first event. Uh, something special about those 16 folks. There was. You, there were a number of them are quite notable. Yeah, I mean, Mark Drakian, who, who Trey Rossi yep. mentioned on his, in his interview. Yep. Uh, was one of the first competitors. Uh, Scott LaValle, who was at the time only about 18 years old, with no mm. formal training, uh, went on to, to be a, a key person in Boston Dynamics with the creation of Big Dog and Little Dog. Oh, yeah. And many of Those other are... things. And Caleb Chung was another competitor who was a toy designer who, who was responsible for Furby. All right. And uh, how about Charlie Tilford? Charlie Tilford was the winner of the, the Melee. Yeah. He's, a, he's a, an accomplished engineer. Yeah. And his uh, robot, the Mauler. So what was different yeah. about the Mauler? Yeah, Mauler. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm looking back because uh, I had the opportunity, of course, to be, um, I, I guess I was overseas right in uh, when you were producing Robot Wars. So I was taken out of the, the picture a little bit, uh, but uh, I, I did get involved with uh, BattleBots, and at least when I came back into the States. Uh, and so that's when I was first introduced to robotics. And, and of course, the military at the time was going into robotics and, and that type of uh, uh, radio control activities so I became more and more aware of that but uh, what, what was interesting to me is as I look over some of your uh, the names you've listed here it's interesting what they're doing today because uh, some of them have become uh, as you said very uh, uh, famous or uh, they've invented several uh, notable items that uh, we would all recognize so it's quite interesting on that any others yeah. that you can recall well, later on, John Knowles became involved. He was the, the okay. creator of Photoshop. Mm-hmm. And well, Will Wright was also one of the first competitors with JulieBot. Right. Will Wright was the creator of Sims and SimCity. Right. For some of the best-selling computer games that, that ever, ever. 
Yeah, you you had quite a collection. I always say uh, in my own career, you know, even with the Grand Challenge, this is one of the debates I've had with DARPA, is that I'd like to go back and take a look at, uh, you know, we had uh, 106 applicants on the first DARPA Grand Challenge. We had uh, uh, approximately 55 uh, folks that we uh, narrowed down or skinny down to the to the best 25 to invite to the Fontana Raceway. And then, of course, we took 15 out to the desert. But I'm really curious, out of those 25 individuals uh, that we sell skinny down for the Fontana Raceway, how many of them have gone on and created uh, just magnificent uh, uh, technology or placed innovation that uh, we currently are taking for granted, uh, you know, from uh, automobile industry for the driverless car. So I, I see parallels in your lifestyle and your career uh, with mine uh, as, as I talk about uh, robotic combat and everything. So as you continue, so as we continue to develop the show, you entered in, uh, in a partnership that at the time, it was a very thoughtful process. I mean, you're looking for somebody to help you run the event. You're doing everything. Uh, can you describe that time and why you did it and why it fell apart? Well, I was desperate at the time that I got involved with with Profile Records. Uh, and I was. And one of the things I lacked was business experience. One of the mm-hmm. things I learned about, about this, this whole, the whole thing was that it doesn't matter how good you are at, 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 at various things, even key elements. It doesn't matter how good you are at robotics. It doesn't matter how creative you are. You, it's a, it's a, you're entering into a business arrangement. And so you better be good at business. Right. And I wasn't. Okay. And I was naive enough to think that I could handle that aspect of the, of the venture like I, like I had. You know, in other words, if I, it's... So, so where overconfidence can 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 be dangerous, right? And well, Profile Records ended up doing a deal with the uh, BBC TV. You brought on Robot Wars into, into well, this, the this was after, probably after the second year. Okay, uh, we actually I I was actually working with the vice president of Profile Records. Okay, who who he and I got along very well, and we and producing the events. And the conflict didn't really occur until late in the late in the venture. But the, the licensing of Robot Wars to Mentorn occurred around 1996, and that was and so Mentorn came up with their own format based on the first year that I did, where I had I had a house robot, which I built in order to ensure that I had one really powerful, exciting robot. And they liked that. And so they, they came up with a, with a format for the UK that involved a number of house robots that they, that they built in-house. So on the robots, let's talk a little bit about the materials some of the folks use. Uh, I, I'm, you know, we're just starting off. It's, this is the beginning. So uh, you had all kinds of style creation. You had some, uh, you know, uh, uh, metal, uh, metal robots out there with uh, real uh, damaging weapon systems. You had others that were very plastic or wooden. Uh, can you describe the, some of the events or well, some of the one of the one of the best 
things about the beginning of the of, of the robot wars was the, the eclecticism of the designs. Mm-hmm. As time went on, going into battle bots, years years passed, there became certain systems which were very effective. Spinning robots, wedges, flipping robots. It became it became these categories that became was much less experimental, right, and and, and unique to, to than they were in the beginning. In the beginning, nobody knew what everybody else was doing, so they came up with these crazy ideas, all mm-hmm. very very different, using all kinds of materials from wood to metal, and it was much more. And some of them were very funny. It was really, it was really great. Mm-hmm. So, can you describe the the competition? Because, uh, on my understanding, you you had uh, uh, various entries, and there was some type of. Uh, not everybody got into the arena first. There was a gauntlet, uh, as my understanding. Can you describe the how you produced the show or some of the steps to qualify for the show? Well, there, there, everyone had to go through through a safety inspection. Mm-hmm. And they had to be weighed, and then they were. Then I, I had a, a leaderboard, which showed the, the the names of the competitors, and an announcer who was a great announcer, Michael Meehan. Uh, and they would they would, they would, they would there were two basic categories. One was face-off, which was one-on-one, and an elimination rounds. And then there was melee, which came later, which involved all the robots at once in their in their various weight classes. Well, that was interesting. That was uh, from a face-off to uh, uh, the elimination round to the melee. That the melee is bringing all the robots together, and they're all doing combative uh, actions Correct. in the arena. Well, let's talk about the arena because the arena is a little different. Well, as I said before, the, I had flippers in the arena. I had mouse traps in the arena. These were big, mm-hmm. and I had a bowling ball which was swinging continuously back and forth. And I but had the, for the first year, had, I had a two foot, a two yeah, foot high arena railing. Railing. Mm-hmm. That 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 was was just through through sheer luck. Nobody was hurt. <laughs> but but if you look if you contrast that with the with the BattleBot what BattleBots is doing or what Robot Wars in the UK is doing for safety right, right. The, the the two foot high barrier that I had around the arena was insane. Right, right. Well, you didn't know. We didn't know. And uh, dynamics and the weaponry and the, uh, uh, I'm going to call it lethality among the robots itself became uh, uh, very technical, very uh, uh, dynamic. But that was the attraction. I mean, talking to Trey Roski, I mean, you know, it's got to be fun to show also. So that's what it was. But you're you're absolutely right. Uh, That uh, two foot uh, arena fence was not significant enough as you went on. What what change? Uh, what what did you discover? What, how did you change it? Well, the, the robots became more and more powerful as, as, we, as I raised the weight limits, and people like Profile Records, and later on, I had as my production manager Joel Hodgson, mm-hmm. who was the creator of Mystery Science Theater Three Thousand. 
they, they, they all became very concerned about safety. And right. they said, Mark, you just can't, you just can't have the audience be, 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 be at risk. And so I, 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 I'm one who, who doesn't like the way the displays are made in museums. I don't like the, the things behind glass, glass boxes. There's something about that barrier that bothers me. And I was concerned that that, 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 that plastic wall Mm-hmm. Transparent or or, or what? Doesn't matter whether it's transparent. It's a it's a it's a, it's it's a kind of a yeah. prophylactic, if you will, yep, an entertainment yep. prophylactic uh, that gets in the way psychically or emotionally or something. But I was wrong. Right. And and well, thank, thank goodness nobody was hurt. Yeah. So let's look and back. Well, uh, well, I, I kept I kept increasing the height of the wall about two feet every year. Oh, did you? How tall did the wall get? It, ultimately, it was about eight feet tall. Eight feet, but no top, right? No roof. No top. No. Yeah. So the flying activities would come out pellets. Uh, but looking back at your career, you certainly live a very interesting lifestyle and you help create, uh, you know, and influence the global robotic business. I mean, uh, you had an international audience when the robot wars went to uh, uh, TV. Uh, you know, you, you certainly have participated in some of the most advanced special effects at the time in the movies in the early uh, 80s and early 90s. Um, we've got about two minutes left in the segment. Uh, what would you describe uh, some of the leading technology development, either in the special effects or in robot wars, that you want to tell the audience? Well, in special effects, of course, the, the biggest development was computer graphics. Hmm. That, that changed everything and threatened to make the, the job that I w- was doing. Of course, I, was moved in, I moved into toy design, but the job I was doing before that, model making, was, 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 it seemed to, to those of us who were doing it at the time, threatening to make it obsolete. And anybody who, who wants to see the, late, the, the state of the art in special effects just needs to look into the eyes of a, chi- of a chimp on, on one of the latest chi- Planet of the Apes movies. Right. It's actually spectacular how real it looks. So the computer graphics uh, is really advancing. The uh, Planet of uh, Apes uh, movies uh, are, are at the forefront of uh, special effects right now. How about in the robotics? Uh, what did you see creative at the, from the first show you did to how many seasons did you end up having or how many competitions? Four. Four major competitions. Yeah. Each year to- between 1994 and 1997. So one a year, basically. Yes, one that's in the summer. Right, right. And then uh, when uh, uh, when you, I guess the uh, the your teammates uh, took it to TV and BBC started publishing. And my understanding, it's ongoing today. Is that correct? Well, they just can't, it's just been canceled from BBC. Okay. And it's picked up by the Science Channel in this country. Oh really? But, but it was, uh, there was an, out, an outcry in, 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 in London because of the cancellation of Robot Wars in the UK, which mm. was a very popular show. And I don't understand 
at this point why they canceled it. Okay. Well, let's hold that thought here. We'll come back after the break. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're, uh, we're discussing a fantastic evolution of Mark Thorpe's career. Uh, Mark has been at the forefront of robotics and special effects industry. We'll be back in a few minutes. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. In fitness and health, we all deserve a second chance. Join host Michael Skog for the program, You Only Stronger. You always have the ability to start fresh, even if you slip up on your diet or fitness program. Even small steps taken throughout the day can help. Each show will conclude with weekly assignments that you can use and will want to hear your feedback. You Only Stronger airs live Mondays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to todaytomorrowstechnologies at gmail.com. Now, back to our show. Welcome back, folks, to T3. Uh, This is our third segment. Uh, Our discussion today is about collision of robot. Uh, and uh, Star Wars and Indiana Jones, A Chat in History. And uh, I just wanted to thank uh, Mr. Mark Thorpe. Uh, really, he is the, the link between uh, uh, the collision of Robot Wars, Star Wars, and Indiana Jones. Uh, his career expands from uh, special effects. Uh, and then, of course, he is the creator and founder of Robot Wars. Uh, it's an international TV show now. Uh, we were just talking about uh, its cancellation at, uh, it, at from the BBC and now being picked up uh, possibly by the Science Channel. Uh, as we continue to talk about this, uh, Mark, are there any funny stories? I know you worked your tail off to bring uh, the concept evolve robot wars in the years you had it uh, are any funny stories that you can tell well the, the one that comes to mind is we did a tour of germany of seven cities where we did oh you we, did we appeared at seven okay. waves around in seven seven cities and one of them in berlin we we, we trey happened to get locked out of the of the he, Trey was one of the one of the participants, right. Trey and Greg, and a few other people. And Trey happened to get locked out of the building accidentally while while Greg and I were working on one, one on his robot. On his robot, yeah. And, and Trey got really 
angry because he couldn't get back in. Eventually, this is in Gearheads, this is in the book, so I can talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He threw a rock or something like that through one of the windows. To get your attention? He ended up back back in the... In the building, he and, he, and, he and Greg were arguing while I was being interviewed by, by the German press. Oh, wow. And they were asking me, they're very sensitive about violence. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were asking me, do you two think that this, that, this, that this robot competition, robot wars, incites human violence? <laughs> and meanwhile, the two of them are arguing <laughs> back behind the camera. Yes, <laughs> of course not. <laughs> of course not. Hey, you brought up Gearheads. Uh, that was a book written. Uh, can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Gearheads is the most comprehensive description of what happened to me. Okay. And the and the, the and the the sport that that anybody's written about. It's written by Brad Stone. It's called Gearheads: The Turbulent Rise of Robotic Sports, and. Brad was the, also the author of the, the Everything Store, which is a history of Amazon. Mm, and okay. That was a best. That's a bestseller. Right, and then uh, you know, as you lost the ownership for ro- Robot Wars, um, it, it, was it a trade? It was a sell. I mean, how did you lose that? Well, it was essentially. The other guy, my my partner, the owner of Profile Records, had more money than me. Okay. And so he kind of bought you out. I, I I had I had a hard time getting him to agree to a fair contract. So people came to my aid, which he interpreted as as a conspiracy to to divest him of his interest. So he dug his heels in, and he dug his heels in. I I, I resisted capitulating to a what I consider to be an unfair contract and it just escalated from there mm-hmm. yeah you went into the courts and all that other stuff bad juju but uh, anyway uh, the, the the most important part that I want to bring out to the audience is uh, you know the, your creation and uh, of the competition the gladiator scenes uh, uh, the three levels of uh, competition uh, more importantly, uh, the 16 competitors, and you're, you you did it for four years. In the final uh, competition, how many entries did you have? I don't actually remember, but I think it was close to 100. 100. Oh. So it's increasing in popularity. And that's uh, – you're also – uh, during that time frame, uh, you were participating with your partner uh, to make a t- TV production? No, so that was in on, the that was in the UK. Okay. I had I had no no involvement in that. No involvement, unfortunately. In that yeah, you had sold the rights already or captured the well, rights. Well, they they just they were they licensed the rights. Okay. And they were they were doing their own production. Okay. So, what has surprised you the most out of your adventures now? Pardon. What has surprised you the most? Uh, either in the special effects arena or in uh, your four years as uh, the producer and creator of well, Robot the Force. Special effects had, took it took its own course. Uh, it was a, a minor player in a really big industry, so it just kind of evolved in, in, in from analog to digital. I watched that happen, 
In, 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 in terms of robot wars, the biggest thing that surprised me, which was at the very beginning, my biggest fear was that the little robots would not be able to sustain, sustain the interest of the audience. And they would get lost in the big arena. And as soon as I remember standing, I was busy doing something, and I heard the crowd yelling in appreciation of the, the little, little like, 20-pound robots. Mm-hmm. And I knew at that point it would be a success because my fears were not, were not validated. People, people embraced the identity and the personalities and the character of these little robots just as much as they did of the big ones. Yeah. There was still some oddness, you know. You're awed by the capability, the quickness, the uh, the weaponry, uh, the design, as you said, uh, the spinners, the wedges, the flippers, and uh, just various designs. There was also an, also another factor. Uh-huh. Another fear I had was that people would not consider these robots to be legitimate robots. They're, they would that more to, more the traditional view of robots. Is something that's autonomous, not radio controlled. Okay. And uh, I, nobody, the, the, the first year, of there are a thousand people in the audience, the first, very first year, mm-hmm. and of those thousand people, 170 of them were press. And, and I got zero complaints or questions about that, that, that issue of legitimacy. Right. It's as right. if everybody wanted. To see the to, to fulfill the promise of the fantasy of robots fighting each other, and they suspended their concerns or any any possible concerns they had about the legitimacy. That was very heartening. Well, that's uh, that's what's fascinating to me. I mean, I look at your robot wars. My own participation in BattleBots, my own participation in, in the development of the Grand Challenge and the support for the, because uh, uh, I led the 04 Grand Challenge and then participated in the uh, the 5 and finally the 7 a little bit. Uh, in the uh, the audience to me in those competitions are special folks. I mean, and the camaraderie that they show among each other is just super. And then the audience involvement, as you said, it has a special special bond as you did we had a lot of press interest i think the press interest was that the, about the first time that people had seen uh, a robot against robot match yeah was there anything before that um, mark well there were a few things that people had done here and there i think in colorado and maybe in, in georgia uh but the but first time with a big events. exposure, yeah, big exposure. You brought it to the forefront there in San Francisco. Yes. Uh, you, you, you. Now, San Francisco wasn't the only, uh, I, I guess, place you showed it. Uh, what wh- were the venues? No, I only did four events in San Francisco. Okay, and then you did the round robin in Germany. That was the, that was a, a tour that was sponsored by Mar- Marlboro Cigarettes. Okay. That involved a, a tour of, of seven cities where they were doing rays. It was com- it was combined with 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 rays, so we okay. would sort of insert these these performances into the into the the, the shows. 
Okay. All right. You were uh, sidelined as far as uh, bringing in the robot combats, and you brought some folks from San Francisco with you. So the the event to have a thousand folks, uh, 170 press uh, folks there, uh, pretty significant, I think. Uh, what else yeah, did was. you learn? What else did you learn as you developed that? And um, is there any other events you want to talk about? We've got about two more minutes. Uh. Not that I can think of. Okay. Well, what's the future of Mark Thorpe? What are you doing now? Doing artwork. Okay. You were retired from the industry, relaxing in San Francisco, uh, thinking about the possibilities, because you certainly are a, a major contributor to this industry as far as the robotics concerned and what has developed since then, Mark. Uh, well, I'm, I'm open to, back- to, 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 to any, any projects that people might, might have interest in pursuing right but i but i'm i'm concentrating on my artwork at the moment okay and uh any advice for an individual starting out in your business i have one one word of advice persistence i don't know anybody who's who who, that has persisted with a with a with a venture that they've that they've that they've initiated that hasn't succeeded Okay. And right now, uh, how would you describe the current landscape in machine robotics? I mean, you've seen the BBC show coming back to the Science Channel. You've seen the development of BattleBots. Uh, don't you get a little glee in your eyes when you see Greg and, and Trey, you know, continue on what you what you invented and created and produced? Yes, I do. And the type of machines. I'm very, I'm very I mean, proud I'm of what I accomplished. Yeah. And it, it is... I like it's the sport is making rock stars out of engineers, and that's oh, that's probably the biggest the biggest impetus to improving the the, the state of engineering that 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 that's occurred to this date. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking about Trey Roski and uh, Greg Munson, the co-creators of BattleBots. Uh, as uh, Mark uh, Thorpe uh, ran into some uh, uh, legal issues, uh, they wanted to continue to create the robotic combat arena. They created BattleBots, and a lot of it has to do with uh, the initial empathies that uh, Mark Thorpe uh, provided. Uh, that BattleBots continue to grow. They're on their eighth season. So, uh, Mark, I can only say thank you uh, because it's been interesting. You're absolutely right. Uh, it is making rock stars out of engineers. It gives uh, uh, the younger generation uh, the ability to play with uh, and, uh, robotics, digitalization, uh, materials. Uh, it, it's got a lot of applications. I mean, I, j- I didn't know a welder could get, uh, you know, in a six-figure income. Come, uh, so there's a lot of opportunities for trade crafts uh, out of the robotic industry, and and just as you said, uh, the folks that competed, uh, it'd be an interesting uh, study out of those 16 folks that started that first show. Where are they today? You've named a couple of them, and uh, and their progress. So it's quite interesting. Do you want to uh, just kind of recount some of the players and what they're doing today? Well, there's Will Wright, who is the who is the the founder of Maxis Software, he created SimCity and Sims. And there's John Knoll, who was the creator of Photoshop. Kayla Chung, who was the creator of Furby, a big hit toy. 
Yeah. There's Mark Atrakian, who's one of the most accomplished engineers I know of, who is a former colleague of mine at ILM, who's right. now working as Trey mentioned on stunt robotic stunt d- d- dummies. Oh, yeah. They're, I'm going to try to reach out to Mark. He's All working right. on replacing stuntmen with robots. Okay, well, Mark, I'd like to thank you for being our guest at this show. Uh, folks, if you have any questions on advertising, please uh, contact Dean Daniels, my executive producer, at 480-553-5741. I'd like to thank uh, Alexandria uh, Lerano for her assistance in my uh, work here and for all my crew. I'll see you the next time, and thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. We hope you'll join your host, Jose Negron, for another exciting program next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Enjoy the rest of your week.